0: I don't know how many of you have had the experience where a friend or family member or neighbor goes on vacation or on a trip of some sort and they come up to you and they ask if you could take care of their yard, their plants, their lizard, their fish, their dog, their cat, whatever, right? Come up, can you take care of you know, my pet while I'm gone? And I don't know how many of you have had the experience that You're doing everything you can to take care of this thing and then one day you come down and it's either floating in a fishbowl or it's stiff and no longer moving at the bottom of the box or the grass is brown, or their plants are dead. I guess this is just recently very much weighing on me because Father Jan, he's been gone for two weeks, and someone gave him a beautiful pot of yellow mums right before he left, and they were there on the dining room table. And as the days kind of ticked by, I noticed that they weren't looking so hot. They were starting to look a little kind of droopy, and I was giving them water, and they still weren't looking all that great. So I said, well, you know what, I think Mums, they're plants, they're flowers, they're yellow. Surely they need sun. That's what they need. So I took this pot of mums and I put it outside the front door of the house there by the school. And if you drive by today, they're still there. I left them there. What looks like actually a wicker basket is this pot of mums. So uh, I'm afraid to say it's not coming back. I have to say it's actually not going anywhere. It's, It's become a fossil. It'll probably stay there throughout the winter. But we all have these experiences, and not to go on and on, someone the other day told me that, a grandma told me that they were taking care, she was taking care of her daughter's guinea pig and lizard because her daughter was going on a family vacation. And the guinea pig did just fine. But after a few days, she noticed that the lizard just wasn't moving anymore. And the next day she went down and she said the lizard, like one leg was behind its head like this, and it was just stuck in the corner of the uh, cage and stiff as a board, so the thing had died. And so what most people would do when something like that happens is she took paper towels, wrapped the lizard up in paper towels and put it in her freezer, the freezer of the daughter and then forgot to tell the daughter, so, I don't know, I, I said, what were you thinking, were you trying to do like the Walt Disney thing, where you freeze the lizard, and then hopefully some cure, you know, decades down the road is going to come out to cure the lizard, and then you like wake him up, and, and bring him back to life, I don't know, so these things happen, people go on journeys, they, live us th- they leave us things to take care of, and then unfortunately sometimes they just, they die on us, it's a bad feeling. This Sunday is the end of a series of three stories that Jesus Christ has been telling us all about a vineyard. Two Sundays ago, we learned something about the father, the landowner, who goes and he invites continuously throughout the day people to work in his vineyard. Last Sunday, we learned something about the two sons. We learned that this landowner was a father who has two sons, and the sons, neither of them want to go to the vineyard. And the one who ends up actually changing his mind, who's capable of that type of change and actually going, is the son who's honest with his father. He says, I don't want to go. And we saw that that's the first step to actually being a good son or daughter of God. Honesty in how we speak to God. And so today, we have the final story regarding this vineyard. And today, Jesus talks about what he expects, what the landowner, and obviously the landowner is God, what God expects from his vineyard. And we heard in our first reading, and I mentioned it two weeks ago, kind of like a spoiler. In our first reading today, we hear, who is the vineyard? What is the vineyard? In the prophet Isaiah that we read in the first reading, the vineyard is the house of Israel, the people of God. That's the vineyard. And today's story is about what God, the landowner, expects what he wants from this vineyard, from his people. And it's fruit. Grapes, in this case, because it's a vineyard. He wants fruit. Now, it's obvious this parable, at the time when Jesus is telling it, is directed towards the leaders of the people of Israel. You know, these servants that the landowner's been sending, those are the prophets all throughout the Old Testament who were persecuted, stoned, some of them killed. And then finally God sends his son, which is Jesus Christ himself, into the vineyard to talk to those who had care of the vineyard. And even the son, they pull out of the vineyard, they take Jesus Christ out of the city of Jerusalem, and they kill him. And we know that's the meaning, the obvious meaning behind this last parable but just like every piece of sacred scripture god is not only speaking to those jesus is not only speaking to those who are immediately in front of him he also has me in mind god's able to do that he's incredibly good at multitasking He can tell a story to those people he has in front of him 2,000 years ago, but also with me in mind, knowing that today I would hear his voice, hear his word, and this message would be directed to me. So the question comes, well, what on earth am I supposed to get out of today's parable? I didn't stone the prophets. I don't have a vineyard. I didn't kill Jesus Christ. So how does this apply to me? The way it applies to me is what God wants from the vineyard. Fruit. So the question is, well, what's this fruit that God wants from his vineyard, which is me? What is it that God's looking for? And it's fascinating if we go to... The book of Leviticus the 19th chapter God speaks to Moses and he says the following thing he says Moses call together the people of Israel and that should now resonate with you who are the people of Israel the vineyard God speaks to Moses he says Moses call together my people the people of Israel that is My vineyard. Call them together and tell them this. Very beginning of the 19th chapter of Leviticus. Tell them this. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now what happens? As soon as we hear that, Right, and you were all probably expecting something amazing, some secret I was going to tell you. We all kind of go up, oh, and then we hear the holy word, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me!" That's yeah, nice, get it. And the reason why we're not too excited when someone says, "Hey, you know, in a nutshell, what God's expecting from you is to be holy." The reason we're not so excited about that is because we've read all these stories of the lives of the saints, and we're like, "I can't do that. I can't levitate." I can't bilocate. I don't have the stigmata. I'm like, man, and some of those people, you read those stories, like some of them, they even seem weird. It's like, I don't even want to be holy. Or at least I don't even think I can even begin to be holy. I'm not a saint. So the question then is, what does it mean to be Holy. If that's the fruit God wants, and yet we have this strange idea of holiness, we need to discover what does it mean to be holy? And you want to know something? Jesus Christ tells us. on vacation or on a trip of some sort, and they come up to you and they ask if you could take care of their yard, their plants, their lizard, their fish, their dog, their cat, whatever, right? I pet while I'm gone. And this is where we get all confused. Holiness is not something I do. It's not like, tell me me what holiness thing is, and I'll do it. And that's kind of the way we are in this society of today. Everything's based on what I do. Who I am is based on what I do. That's not what holiness is. It's not what I do. Holiness is about who I'm doing what I already do for. The tenants wanted to produce grapes. They didn't want to produce them for the Father, for the landowner, for God. God isn't expecting me to do something weird with my life. He's expecting us to produce the fruit of holiness. That is, do my ordinary daily tasks for Him and not for myself. That's the challenge that we have today. And if it sounds trite to you, if it sounds so simple, then take up that challenge just one day. I dare you to one day live your entire day doing what you always do, but do everything for Him. Not for yourself. Not for your comfort, not for your selfishness, but for Him. I guarantee you happiness. I guarantee that you will not only be happy, but you will also attract others to that same lifestyle. That's Jesus' parable today. Let's ask our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, give me the strength to produce the fruit that God wants for me.